And so obviously we can trim all that the uh, bullshit that came before this. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, none of that conversation mattered. Only nope. this conversation mattered, which is us saying hello to you because we're a podcast. <laughs> Specifically, we are Madness and Movies. Peopled by myself, Andy, and also peopled by... Peopled? Yeah. It's a verb. I didn't know if you meant to say that. I meant to say it. You said it's a, it twice. It's a verb. So, okay, I am peopling this podcast. This is Emily. <laughs> and today we're talking about, in the in the grand holiday tradition, uh... A, a, a Tim Burton film because it's October, it's almost Halloween, and you can't not do a Tim Burton film mm-hmm. on a movie podcast mm-hmm. right before Halloween. Yeah. Would you like to clue them in? Yeah, we're going to be talking about Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. The, the classic, the ultra classic, the, the super classic. Super probably comes before ultra. One of his best works. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the greatest works of Mr. Tim Burton. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea it was so like powerful. I I always thought it was just sort of like a like an oddball comedy. Type like a thing. like a mopey. Nobody gets him, but he has scissors for hands. Oh. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like a lot of slapstick, like a lot mm. of like, oh, it's so funny. He has scissors for hands, and like there was like two moments of that, and the rest was like pretty serious. Yeah. So, it was yeah. like intense and emotional. I did not expect that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it, it was, it's, it's really good. It's, it's a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's a classic for a reason. Johnny Depp. I'm trying to decide if he delivers like an amazing performance. I think it. Okay. Is, yeah. It's like, it's so understated and quiet. It's hard to tell whether it's like, man, he phoned it in and there's nothing happening, or like, no, it's so subtle, it's brilliant. Yeah. I, You're leaning towards the second? I'm leaning toward the second. Yeah. I wish they had gotten a disabled actor to play Edward Scissorhands, because I think it is a story about disability, and I'm in favor of disabled actors playing disabled characters, but I still think Johnny Depp did a really excellent job. I think he is like Tim Burton's muse. Yeah. Like Johnny Depp's just always a little bit weird and like it's something uh, Tim Burton can really like embrace and kind of like he's like the perfect like just a little bit unsettlingly weird underdog kind of person Johnny Depp is. Mm-hmm. Where he's, just, he's always just, just a little bit like wait what are you? Like Like I always get that or at least his characters are always just a little bit like, uh, just 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 that slight bit of different where you're like, is he? I think he's okay, slash normal slash safe slash whatever. But then there's just that little bit of edge of like not like I don't know that disconnect of not quite understanding. Like something's going on in there inside his noggin that I don't quite know or understand and may never understand because mm. he's, he's Johnny Depp and it's yeah. just a little bit mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did great though. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's perfect for the, for the role. Mm. 
Um, should we run the plot of Edward Scissorhands yes. super quick just to kind of catch everybody up? Because, I don't know, there's probably at least three or four people yeah. like you that haven't actually watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, Let's see, where do we start? So, it starts in this, like, this old lady telling a story uh, to a little kid about the mysterious man on the mountain. Uh, and the man on the mountain is Edward Scissorhands. He's got scissors for hands, and his name is Edward. <laughs> um, and basically, there's this woman um, in a small town. Like, he lives in a small town, I guess, at the top of a mountain that's like overlooking a small town community yes and there's this woman who's like selling um for avon she's like a door-to-door yeah woman selling makeup and she's like just having a bad time like not getting any sales and so she decides to go check out this castle on this mountain try to go sell to the man that lives <laughs> in the scary castle that nobody nobody visits and um, she finds Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. And so she brings him back to this small town community. Yeah. And he lives with her. Um, it should it, be mentioned this is the first human contact that okay. Edward's had in years and years and years. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, um, he like, at first everyone loves him and he, it's like, it's like kind of funny because he doesn't really know how to act um, normal or conform to, you know, all the things that they do. And he keeps making little goofy mistakes. Uh-oh, that's a water bed. He, he, he tried to touch the bed and boop, now there's water coming out of it. Oops, yeah. it was a water bed. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So oh, there's, Edward. There's like two or three yeah, of those kind of moments. And then, um, but yeah, but then he's like, Useful, you know, that's how they treat that's, him. Yes, that's, exactly. Oh, he has talents. He, like, um, he starts, I guess, what does he do? Like, sculpting bushes? Trimming, trimming hedges, yeah. Yeah, and then he starts, like, cutting hair, and they love cutting that. Cutting dog hair. Yeah, cutting dog hair, then cutting people's hair. Um, and everyone's like, oh, he's so talented, oh. and it's so nice, and he's so special and gifted, and he goes on TV, and he's going to open his own hair salon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, he basically... Oh, and everybody, yeah, everybody, because he's useful and special, everybody, all the women of the town want to, like, get in his pants and all, and, yeah. and, like, everybody, like, is, like, attracted to him and fawning over him and, like, oh, Edward. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you have he, a, do you have a girlfriend, Edward? <laughs> But he likes, um, he's, like, falling for the, the woman's, like, daughter, mm-hmm. um, and who he lives with, and basically, what's her name, Kim? I think Kim. And basically, Kim has this boyfriend who's, like, a total jerk, um, and he wants to steal some of his father's money to buy a car. And buy a van. that We can put a mattress yeah. in the back, Kim. Just yeah. me, you, a van with a mattress in the back. And so he... Um, asks basically he gets Kim to ask Edward to um, pick the lock um, to his father's like where his father keeps the money um, Mm -hmm. for him Mm -hmm. and so then Edward gets arrested and basically after that the whole town hates him oh there is some police violence because they tell him to drop his weapons by 
they don't know that his hands are weapons. And so um, he can't drop them, and then they're yelling, I'm going to shoot. Yeah. So, yeah. So then he gets, yeah, he gets arrested. And, yeah, basically after that, it's downhill. Everyone, like, hates him. They think he's, like, violent and a predator. And um, they basically try to run him out of town. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at the end, they're, like, chasing after him, trying to kill him. And he goes back to his castle and never comes out again. Um, but Kim does, like, fall for him. And they share a brief moment. And then. Yeah. 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 So. So that's the plot of Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. the The first thing that really jumped out at me was that he's so clearly like autistic, like as a character, like he, this this character is so autistic. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I don't mean that in a whatever negative way or something and just just like checking all the stereotypes just going right down the checklist yes 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 yeah although i don't think he's like like i don't know when i think of a stereotypical autistic character i think of someone that i'm like not happy that represents mm. me or that i like don't sympathize with and i'm like ugh, like st- like i don't know like sheldon cooper oh, or something mm, where i'm like oh okay. like i don't want to be thought of like that okay but you're Edward, right. i'm like no i like him like he's yeah, cool like he the, he yes. fits some of the criteria sure or whatever but he and he can be read that way but i don't think it's such a stereotypically awful like we're trying to create an autistic character based on the dsm criteria like i think i think he's just like a person and he happens to fit into that which is how wait which is way better yeah and like how autism works in real life like it's just your person who happens to i mean my opinion is for me i am a person who has my own personality and whatever and i like happen to meet some of these like traits that like yeah autistic is a word that happens to describe me but it's not like this like whole other category of like human um that like atypical would have you believe um mm-hmm. atypical or big bang theory i feel like yeah what's I, atypical oh it's it's a show on netflix that just oh, like is it? yeah apparent i haven't s- seen it but mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently it's just <laughs> this like horrific portrayal of autism oh, where <laughs> you don't have any sympathy for the character and you're just like annoyed and you're like i don't know and it's very like let's take the DSM criteria and make a character out of that, um, which is not how autism works. So, yeah, I felt like this was a really, like, human, realistic portrayal. Yeah, yeah, which is important and good. Yeah. And worth, worth pointing out, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but just everything about... Well, not everything about, but he just... He... It, I almost think the movie, whether it means to be or not, is sort of like an allegory for this, like, I don't know, the experience of autistic people trying to fit in and trying to find, I don't know, find some place in society where other people, where where people stop judging or staring or whatever. And I think it totally is self-conscious. Like... You think it is? Yeah, I mean, so... When he, it's at least, I feel like it's self-conscious as a disability movie. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So when he, like, goes, yeah, he first, like, comes to the community um, 
there's like he goes to this barbecue and people are talking to him and someone says like don't let anyone tell you you have a handicap and people Uh, say oh yeah. yeah you're not handicapped you're exceptional um and that's like such a such a thing or, or people will keep to recommending they're like oh like i know a doctor who oh might my be gosh, able to help yes. you and i that's like such like a disabled thing you know every day of life is just unsolicited medical advice constantly <laughs> and so oh you have a wheelchair i have a doctor yeah. i have a doctor that can yeah. help with that yeah or like oh like you you can't for me i know as a mad person like that can't just be my identity that i'm just like oh okay i'm mad that's cool it's like, oh, you're mad. Like, what are you doing to treat that? Like, let's like that's the only yeah, context yes, that yes. it's okay to talk about that in. And so, yeah, I feel like I feel like it's pretty consciously mm-hmm. a disability movie. And I'm like curious to see if Tim Burton has said anything and what other disability advocates have written about in terms of this movie. But yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like it's conscious. Maybe not as an autistic movie though. Like, I'm not sure if that was the intention, mm-hmm. but. That's kind of, like, okay with me. I feel like if your intention is to, like, set out to portray autism, that's kind of, like, no, that's not, like, exactly, I don't know, like, there's not one autistic character can't represent autism or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that it it kind of, like, happens to capture the experience, I think is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That all these little things were, like, I don't know, the scene that, like, really stuck out to me was that he has this... Like, he has these sharp, you know, scissors for hands, and so he wears this this really tough leather suit thing that sort of, I guess, protects him from himself, right? So he can't cut himself. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's got this, you know, whatever. Yeah, the leather serves a purpose. And he comes into this, comes, he's, he's brought into this picturesque little idyllic town where all the houses are painted perfect pastels and every, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, no, you can't you can't wear that outside. Oh no, here, here, put on this shirt and this pair of suspenders. And then he immediately like accidentally cuts the pair of suspenders. And it's like, oh dear, I'll pin that (laughs) back up for you. And it's like, no, this is why he wasn't using suspenders. (laughs) And just this whole, yeah, experience of like, no, 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 it's okay. Like I I can fix it. I can, I don't, you know, I guess taking the, the things that he does and sort of, ascribing them to just like oh he doesn't know any better yeah. like oh he just doesn't know how to eat peas yet like no stupid he has scissors for hands he can't grip the peas he can't what does he eat he, he clearly has been able to feed himself for all these years he clearly has been able to eat I'm like oh honey he just he just doesn't have table manners yet like <laughs> Like, the yeah. whole town is like that, where they're just like, oh, well, he'll learn. And like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. Like, everything he's doing is completely 100% logical for a person with scissors with, with for hands <laughs> to do. But, like, and, and that's definitely the autistic yes. experience that, like, if you have certain sensory issues and, like, you're being completely overwhelmed or you your body, like, works differently and you need to regulate yourself, like, stimming makes complete sense if everyone else had this sensory experience they would be stimming too like if 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 light and sound and physical pain affected you the way it affected me like you would be having meltdowns too like it's it's completely logical and if we had scissors for hands we would be doing just what he's doing (laughs) but like yeah they're they're acting like oh yeah he just hasn't like learned like 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a skill thing. He yeah, just, yeah. It's psychological. He just yeah. needs some help. And everything is about covering that experience up. That he mm-hmm. like has these little nicks and cuts all over his body, and that yeah. where he just like accidentally cuts himself with the scissors, and he's like completely unconcerned by it. Like it doesn't bother him at all. But Peggy, the the woman who I guess brings him down from the the castle is like spends the whole movie like trying to she's a makeup salesman and she's she, and she's she's trying to mix the perfect concoction to cover up those scars and just here if i we're going to put a we're going to put a base a base layer and we're going to put some blush over it and, no your complexion's too fair okay 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 i'm going to call the head of avon i'm going to call the founder of avon and talk to her about what I should do for your complexion. <laughs> How we can cover up these scars. And then, yeah, just, we're gonna put makeup on you, you're gonna wear pants, it's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> just just cover it up, smother it, push that all down. Like, why can't you just be like us? Yeah. For me, I felt like the dinner scene was like mm-hmm. so accurate, like such an accurate representation of the autistic experience. So he's like at mm-hmm. dinner, um, and yeah, there's these like peas and carrots <laughs> that he has to use his like huge scissor hands to eat. And so he's like trying to grasp the silverware, and then he's like trying to grasp the peas and carrots. And he's like, what am I, like, how do I, yeah, like not being able to eat anything. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, Peggy, the woman who takes him in, and her husband are, like, firing all these questions at him. And he's, like, unable to answer them. And then the little boy, their son, is, like, staring at him. And and Peggy's just, like, don't stare. (laughs) And, like, that's her focus. Not, like, can we help you eat? Can we, you know, like, acknowledging the issue in the room? Like, what, what foods can you eat? Or, like, what would help you? Like, how do you usually eat? It's just, like, don't stare. Don't treat him any different. Don't treat him like he's yeah. disabled. He'll be just like us. Yeah. Um, and again, if we just pretend he is, then he yeah. will be. <laughs> and he can't eat the peas. He can't eat the carrots. Yeah. And they keep bombarding him with questions. And then, like, the last question is, like, Edward, would you like some butter for your bread? And he's like, um. <laughs> and, like, cuts a piece of butter off there and kind of tries to smear it in the bread, but then just tears the bread all up. And then it's just like, what am I supposed to be doing with this? And they're just, just like, completely ignoring it. There's a problem. And, like, here, have some butter, Edward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt like, yeah, that, and, like, that was such a, that's, like, such a big part of it is, like, oh, don't treat him any different. Like, yeah, if we yeah, don't yeah. treat him differently, then he won't be disabled. He'll be just yeah, like yeah. everyone else. Like he'll, he'll learn. He'll learn. He'll conform. It'll be good. And that's, like, such an autistic thing is, like, oh, just, like, pretend that this person doesn't have different needs. Pretend that this person's internal experience is just like everyone else's, and then it will be fine. And... They won't have they won't have any issues or whatever, um, and yeah, and you can see that in just like the way that everything is done. That like I, I don't know, looking at that dinner um, mm-hmm. scene, I was thinking a lot about just like job interviews or like other social settings Ooh. for autistic people, where people are like, oh, like autistic people lack social skills or they're introverted or they're not good at talking to people or whatever, and it's like, okay, like. <laughs> I don't know, like, maybe they're so focused on, like, 
I don't know, regulating all the sensory aspects of this and performing the role that you need them to perform and that you're not giving them any option but to perform, mm-hmm. that like it's going to be hard to focus on a conversation. Um, if you were doing a complicated math problem, then you probably wouldn't be able to focus on a conversation too well. If you're trying to eat with scissors for hands, you're probably not <laughs> going to be able to focus on the conversation too well. It's not a social skills thing necessarily it's like a yeah Yeah. it's it's the world is like overwhelming or the world is not built for you yeah and it's really i don't know i think we've had conversations about the difference between can't and won't yeah and this is such a like he can't they're assuming he won't yeah it's like oh edward he just he'll get it he'll get it he'll come around yeah yeah absolutely and i i think for me i was thinking about this today that like one of the most powerful things about having a disabled identity or an autistic identity is like the permission almost to use the word can't to be like, Mm. I can't do X, Y, and Z and I'm going to need a workaround and you're going to need to accept that. Um, when the world wants to be like, no, you just won't and you need to learn and like being disabled allows you to, to like, yeah, to claim like, no, I can't. And that's fine. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I feel like all of this rhetoric of, like, you're not disabled, you're not handicapped, it's this way of, like, being, like, there's nothing you can't do, you just won't, and, like, yes, you're just gonna yes, be just like everyone, yes. yeah. Yeah, and that's what's behind all the, the, the inspiration porn or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, I saw, I saw a video on Reddit a couple days ago, it was, like, it was a guy with no legs doing karate, Mm-hmm. Right, and so he's, and so he's doing all these like, y- you know, it's one of these like, yeah. not like, combat karate where you're trying to score points on each other, or whatever. But where you're, uh, you, that I don't know that kind of show, yeah, thing yeah. where you have like you know six people in a the line, they're all doing the same moves at the same timing, ha ha, kick, spin, ha, mm-hmm. and this guy with no legs, right, is kind of, hopping, I guess, back and forth. And, you know, and the title was, like, you know, something about all the right moves or something like that. And it's like, oh. Yeah. That, it's not that all you people with legs, it's not that you can't. It's just that you won't. Look right. at this guy. Look at this guy who can. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those with the tagline, what's your excuse? Ooh. Which is, like, so horrifying. Ooh. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, just this total, like, minimization of any human limitation and just like oh like you can do anything anything is possible and yeah yeah Ugh. yeah um but yeah so i think there was definitely like a forced normalization of edward scissorhands like that was yeah. so much of the movie yeah 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 that as long as i think that was the thing is like the the women of the town like when he first comes in and they all are like calling each other and then they all kind of like mob the house. Like I really felt like they were these like antibodies that like if you like if the they're they're the immune system of the town. They're enforcing normalcy that if something abnormal shows up, you know, every all the they're they're like the white blood cells. They get all worked up and, you know, mob the infection and course you're gonna throw a barbecue and i'll bring the coleslaw and make sure he's wearing real clothes and just 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 mob him and engulf him and as long and then convert him and as long as he's like 
plays normal and you know is amicable and at the at the barbecue and as long as he's normal then everything's fine and they leave him alone and as soon as he starts to act abnormal again then ooh we you know they they push him out of the town and be gone yeah, there's this, like, they, they love him as long as he's useful and as long as his useful. abnormality is, like, it makes him smart, it makes him yes. productive, yes. it makes him good at things that useful. help him. Yeah. Useful, I think, is, like, the key word. Yeah, but, yeah, as soon as he does something that's, like, yeah, gone too far, like, that freaks them out, then it's, like, instant, like, no, we hate him, we're gonna try to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even like I don't know that he's that he's he's doing all of their uh, haircuts for free yeah. and trimming all their bushes for free. Like they go out of a, out of their way to like emphasize that. Like Edward, you really should be charging for this, but he can't because mm-hmm. he he's useful. He has to stay on people's good sides and be useful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, ugh, yeah, <laughs> and even. I don't know. What did you think of the uh, the the scene, the flashback to with the the inventor that created him, and the, the the cookie cutter machines and whatever. Yeah. Right. Like I I don't know. I I didn't quite know what to think of that. That. I mean, you probably can guess my reaction. I have a thought. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out the scene for the <laughs> listeners real quick, but that that Edward flashes back to. At one point, a machine that has, like, a scissor-shaped hand thing that opens a can that dumps into a bowl, and then... But then there's, like, a... All the, all the machines are shaped like people. They're like robots. The, the, mm-hmm. the, there's a robot with, like, whisks for hands that whisks up the batter, and then the bowl dumps out. You know, it's like an assembly line, and then the bowl dumps out, and there's robots with, like, cookie cutters for feet that stomp all over the cookie dough, and then, and then it goes into this robot that has, you know, whatever, goes into the mouth of this robot that's like an onion, uh, not an onion, an oven. (laughs) It's like oven bot, right? Like its insides are hot and the cookie dough comes into its mouth and then it poops out, poops out little cookies. Um, And that's sort of like the origin of Edward Scissorhands as he Mm -hmm. was just the scissor bot. Um, And I don't know, I guess my, my interpretation of that was that he was sort of always just built to just be useful. And that he was sort of trying to transcend that and trying to be more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Um, so can you really not guess my reaction to that? I can guess, but I want to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an antinatalist. <laughs> I think this is why parents create children. <laughs> to be useful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that's Tim Burton's intended metaphor, although it could be. Like, I don't know. Hmm. He doesn't. I mean, doesn't. Isn't there a whole thing? He and Helena Bonham Carter live in like separate houses and everything. Is that a thing? I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. I, don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want that, but like, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're like. <laughs> Um, I don't know. This doesn't really have anything to do with... Well, I guess or it's, does sort it? of, it's sort of a radical revolution of, like, the nuclear family, I guess. It's like, yeah. Oh, two houses, and I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're really rich. That's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's Tim Burton, man. <laughs> kind of deserves it. <laughs> I don't think Each, most people with that level of money deserve it, but, like, Tim Burton kind of does. So, that's cool. <laughs> Because he's because he's changing the way that we conceptualize ourselves and our 
Yeah, I think so. I don't know. His art is beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, <laughs> I think a lot of parents create children to, yeah, to serve some purpose. And that purpose might be like, I want someone who's going to unconditionally love me or I want someone who's going to lead a fulfilling life, like whatever it is. But like, it's like you are creating someone like with a certain purpose yeah. um, and they, they very much can fail to meet that purpose or not and um yeah yeah you have a you have a kid to to fulfill the you know the, i guess the movie trope right is to fulfill all the dreams that you never could right mm-hmm. the, the the dad that never got to play in the super bowl you know teaches his kid well i just got to start him earlier i i didn't get started until i was eight so i'm gonna have little timmy playing football when he's three mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll get out ahead of this thing he's going to the super bowl trust me mm-hmm yeah, I think my mom wanted me to be popular because she never was. Oh. <laughs> Sucks for her. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, I've told my whole class story on here before. But, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of parents, yeah, they have, like, dreams for their kid to be, like, a certain occupation or have a certain wealth status or maybe make more than they do. Um, which is really hard as a millennial to fulfill that dream. Um, uh, yeah. And yeah, so there's like, I think there's a lot of class expectations. Um, there's a lot of like very individualistic, like Americanized expectations or maybe like heteronormative. I want this child to like have a nuclear family and go on to have children. So then that expectation is like put on like generations to come or maybe it's religious. Maybe it's like, mm-hmm. I, I want this child to be, you know, a believer in the God that I believe in and, you know, dedicate their life to serving him or her or whatever. Um, him or it, they. Yeah. Um, usually him um usually yeah um so yeah so i i feel like that can definitely be read as just like a metaphor for yeah the everyday like experience of like growing up and being like a child who's like i don't know confined, doesn't belong yeah confined in this role that they're not going to meet the expectations of and i think that's totally an autistic experience that um you know there's in the autistic community, we, we call a lot of parents autism parents when they're like, they become obsessed with changing their kids and curing their kids and, mm-hmm. and so that they have a normal life. And I just really want my kid to go on and be independent. Oh, and, and that's, and that's totally Peggy. Oh yeah. This, she, she, she at one point says like, Oh, I, I don't know. I think it was a mistake to bring him here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of like a metaphor for like having him for I guess yeah for I don't know being born or whatever he mm-hmm. came down from the mountain and he was born onto us yeah and it doesn't seem to be working out maybe we should send him back yeah 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 <laughs> absolutely but I also felt like it was a metaphor for like him being created as a robot to like serve this function of like mm-hmm. yeah you know, cutting open cans or whatever and then he ended up wanting more than that or wanting more of an internal experience than just an external like use and function yeah and that it, I think it's telling that even when he is sort of right he goes from being just the can machine to being Johnny Depp and being Edward mm-hmm. that even then he's still he's still being taught right etiquette guards us from humiliation and discomfort and sort of his his creator is like walking mm-hmm. him through this 
very particular finicky kind of like what do you do with the third spoon kind of extreme etiquette mm-hmm. and I think even that is still the external function and like yeah versus like internal experience like it doesn't matter what you think Edward you must use the third spoon mm-hmm. someday you'll have hands and you'll understand <laughs> <laughs> I really liked hands as the metaphor, by the way, because mm-hmm. I do feel like autistic people, like one of the things that makes autism visible and not like mm-hmm. an invisible disability is like stimming or flapping hands mm. or hmm. using hands in your in a way that like you're not supposed to. Um, mm. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was cool. But <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, so we were talking earlier, you dropped the word stigma paradox and kind of walked away from it <laughs> in sort of our, our pre, pre-game notes. And so, like, I know what that is. <laughs> but for the listeners... <laughs> okay, if they're listening, they probably already know what this is. So maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Some of your family members may not. Okay. <laughs> or friends, or... That's true, Okay. The stigma paradox is, um, like, a model of describing stigma against um, what's called mental illness, against mad people. Um, and um, there's there's a couple different stigma paradoxes, actually, hmm. um, describing all different types of stigma. But this one that I'm referring to was developed by Tanya Louise Gurgle. Um, I think that's how you pronounce her <laughs> Gurgle. <laughs> <laughs> So much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll hold it in. <laughs> so, um, the it divides stigma into two types: likeness stigma and unlikeness stigma. And likeness stigma is the idea that mad people are just like everyone else. They can just control their emotions. You know, if someone's depressed, like. So what? All of us get depressed sometimes. They're just like me, and they can just snap out of it. I get depressed, too, and I still bring myself to work every day, so they can just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and snap out of it, and, um, you know, uh, this is... this Every, is Yeah, everyone's just like me, and I'm fine, so therefore you're fine. Yeah. Therefore, get over it. And it has to do with agency. It has to do with, like, um, you know mad people have full agency over themselves and their emotions and their actions so you know it kind of leads into blaming them and holding them fully responsible and things like that um and also telling them to snap out of it it also underlies like a lot of um anti-drug rhetoric and Mm -hmm. um pro like alternative medicine I, i think a lot of alternative medicine ends up being pretty like likeness stigma it's it's very um you know, you can just kind of think your way out of this problem. Um, and then mm-hmm. unlikeness stigma is where you're like, no, this person has a fundamentally different brain chemistry than I do. They just can't help themselves. Um, they're yeah. just, they're so beyond different. They, they cannot be held responsible for their actions. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, they have something wrong with their brain. Um, therefore, 
unlikeness stigma justifies coercion um, or like more violent coercion. So you need to be locked up in a psychiatric institution. You need to be committed. Um, you need to um, be on drugs, whether you want to or not. Um, you also, yeah, you need specific like medical treatments. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what underlies like contemporary psychiatry. Um, so yeah. Well, yeah, both of these frameworks, I just want to clarify, are stigma. They're not like, it's not like one is better than the other or we're, I'm advocating for one over the other. For some reason, that mistake gets made that I'm like saying that one is better <laughs> than the other. Um, they are both stigma and I think we need to reject both of them. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> and both are present in this movie. Yes. The, yeah, I mean, I don't know. To start with the, the unlikeness stigma, right, that... He doesn't have any control over himself, or he's so different, or whatever. Like, when Edward, like, uh, right, gets arrested for breaking into this place, whatever, nobody asks, like, hey, man, why? It's like, oh, oh, Edward, I blame myself. I blame myself. I knew I shouldn't have. I should have set a better example for you. You just, you don't, he doesn't know any better. And then, you know, and then the dad comes in and is like, nah, it's not you, Peggy, it's the TV. That, that blasted commercials. <laughs> yeah, it's like he doesn't have any agency. It's not his own volition. Like, he, it's almost just like, yeah, he's like five years old. If you play television for him, like, that's what he's he going to do whatever's on the television. <laughs> and that's kind of what the town ends up kind of harboring against him at the mm -hmm. end is unlikeness stigmas. Like, he doesn't have any control over his actions. Like, um, I, someone says, to him you can't touch anything without destroying it yeah like, yeah yeah like they acknowledge can't in this instance someone calls him a cripple um at the mm -hmm. end they they acknowledge that he's disabled by the end um and that he's fundamentally different um from all of them but it's framed in this like very stigmatizing way so like therefore you can't be here like you can't yeah. be among yeah. us um, while at the beginning, it's more of a likeness stigma. It's more like, oh, he's just like us. He just needs to learn how to eat his peas and carrots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, and I have a doctor for that. Then you'll be just like us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we can just fix you. Yeah, um, yeah. We can, we'll put pants on you and we'll, we'll fix you and we'll put some pretty makeup on and then... And therefore, you just you can just get over. We'll just put some makeup on and put on some pants and then you can just get over having those scissors for hands and you'll just be better. And I think this coincides also with Foucault and... Um, oh, whoa. <laughs> whoa now. <laughs> he, um, I think, talks about, from my understanding, I'm not the best at reading comprehension when it comes to Foucault and a lot of philosophy, but from my understanding, he talks about um, how mad people have shifted from... Um, being in this category of unknowable and having to be like sent away and confined and excluded to like knowable through science and through mm. um diagnoses and medicalization and we can fix them because we know them oh, of course um and I, I think um edward scissorhands makes that shift but in the reverse direction at first he's oh. like knowable and we have doctors for this and we we can dress you up in our clothes and and you know we know you and then by the end he's like this unknowable like dangerous unpredictable anything you touch will be destroyed you need to get out of here we can't you're not like us so we can't know you yeah and the only person that like 
cuts through that, right? This is the, the, the love story, the B-plot, whatever, is the, the daughter, mm-hmm. right? That, that she is the only person that treats him as a person with his own feelings and motivations and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I've been going back and forth, but I, I guess I kind of think that she treats him, she gives him that, I don't know, I guess, respect, even in the first scene where they meet, where he's like sleeping in her room, but and she comes home from a trip and doesn't know he's there, mm-hmm. and he wakes up and she screams and whatever, and it's you know, ah oh he's so scary he's got scissors for hands, but I think even in that scene he she treats him like a real person with real motivations. Hmm. How so? Uh, just that. I don't know that she doesn't know his motivations, but I don't think she's treating him as unknowable so much as currently unknown. Like what? Like she she immediately wants to know what is he? Who is he? What do you what do you want? What do you do? Yeah, that makes sense. I think so. Um, I don't I don't know. I might be entirely wrong on that, but that's. I think it's true. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like she reacts to him just like anyone would react to anyone sleeping in their bed. Mm. <laughs> like if you come home. Yeah. Early there's someone else trip. there. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, scary, and she's not like, what is he doing in those awful... Si-? I mean, I don't really know what she says, but I don't think she makes a big deal about, like, the scissors. No, like, she yells that he had an axe. Oh, okay. So she kind of... But I guess she thinks it's a weapon at first, but once she realizes it's not a weapon, she's not as scared, or I, I don't... I don't, I don't remember know. that part as much. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I might be. I might just be wrong on this one. Um, but but either either way, she comes around. If she doesn't start there, she comes around to treating him as kind of a real person, especially after, right, like, it's her idea to go break into the... Well, not it's her idea, but it's... Her friend, her boyfriend wants to use Edward to break into this, break into this whatever, safe room. Uh, and so she convinces him to do it, and then it's... And so he does it for her and he gets arrested and he takes the, takes the fall, takes the blame. Uh, and she's like, you know, and she, she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I lied to you. You didn't know that was Jim's dad's house or whatever. And he says, no, I knew. And she's like, well, why didn't you do so- Why didn't you say something? And he's like, well, because you asked me to do it. Right. And I think that's in it. Yeah, I'm changing my theory that she didn't, <laughs> she didn't, that, that was the moment where she, like, actually asked him a question mm-hmm. and, like, treated him as if he knew himself and knew the answer, knew his own thoughts and was, like, I don't know, accountable for himself. Yeah. And not just, like, some stray puppy that'll just do whatever you tell it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she wants to understand his motivations and, like, oh. Amazing. What do you know? If you ask him about himself, he'll tell you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think, I don't know. I was also thinking about the scene where (laughs) they try to teach him ethics. Oh my gosh. So here's an ethics lesson. Like if (laughs) if you find a suitcase 
on the grounds with a bunch of money in it and no one's around like do you take it to the police or do you use it to buy gifts for your loved ones or do you keep the money and he says oh i'd buy gifts for my loved ones <laughs> and everyone gets mad and they go, no you have to bring it to the police and she the, the brother the brother says at first like well i'd keep the money and they're like shut up jimmy <laughs> <laughs> and then when edward answers wrong He's the, the, the Jimmy's like, well, of course you, he's like, you idiot. Of course you have to say that you're going to take it to the police. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody knows that it's a, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> like everybody would keep the money, but we all have to pretend we would take it to the police. <laughs> but then Kim says, well, the nicer thing to do is the, is to spend it on gifts for your loved ones. Um, and they're like, no, that doesn't matter. But I, I nice doesn't matter. This is about right and wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like that was just a good example of when they're seeing eye to eye that like motivation matters, like intent matters, your internal experience matters, not just following a bunch of rules in the rule book. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And he can't follow the, he can't follow the rules. Not that he, huh. Yeah, not that he, they, they treat it as he won't. He just, he won't behave, but he like, can't. Yeah. Um, I think on that one it was like a won't. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. I also, I also do feel like can't and won't, like, doesn't really matter that much. Like, I mean, first of all, I don't really believe in free will, but second of all, like, I don't know, if a person doesn't want to do something... Like, does it matter if they can or can't do it? Like, that's kind of my general hmm. stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, like, can't, won't, shouldn't matter. You shouldn't need a disability to be able to, like, have permission to say you can't do something. Um, but we also live in the 21st century. And, um, yeah. <laughs> People aren't there yet. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you got me. Um, what did... What did you think about the mom's, Peggy's, treatment of Edward? So, at first, I, like, I sympathized with her. I liked her. I don't know. I, <laughs> I felt like she was so well-intentioned, and she... I don't know. I felt like she saw him as a person, or she, like, was doing what she thought was helpful to him. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think I think in, like over the course of this podcast I've begun to realize like just how harmful she actually is and like how much she denies his difference or mm-hmm. um I don't know though like I um I still do feel like there's like such a difference between her and the other townspeople like yes like I I feel like there's like a lot of people who are yeah very much like on this extreme ends of either like malicious and like hating him or like only appreciating him because he's useful and I feel like she just likes him because he's a person um and you don't think so uh, I'm not entirely sure but I'm gonna I'm gonna argue the counter just just uh-huh. to see where this goes yeah which is that I think she I think he's a nice project for her that she gets to feel mm. that that she can't control her kids and whatever and she has this this nice man that she can shape and mold and 
you know, fix up his face and put him into some pants and teach him some manners and that he's he's this mm. he's this project, this this charity case, this uh and she she can take care of, right, the the it makes her look good in the community that she she saved this poor soul up in that castle and look at him now, he's a productive member of society and I did that. I don't think so. I don't know. Because when he is like even when he's dangerous or whatever, they think he's dangerous mm-hmm. and it doesn't look good at all. Like and they're like they won't go to her party mm-hmm. because she's he's living there. Like she still doesn't back down. She still wants him there and tries to protect him from like the police and everything. Um and then also yeah. like the good. Sorry. Yeah, also like it's the father who's like pushing on him like you should open your own salon you should learn business did you have a productive day to day and she's the one she's not like asking that he like earn money or anything she's she just kind of wants him to live there i don't know i i feel like she has a pretty good heart um but i think she maybe represents like a certain kind of like well-intentioned like genuinely well-intentioned person who has like some learning to do like yeah maybe i don't know i yeah. would hope that if she like learned about disability then she could be like actually like really cool yeah no i think that's about right that she she's yeah she's well-intentioned but she's still because she's nice and because she's close with him she ends up being kind of the i don't know I think I think she and the the, the dad slash husband maybe are like good cop bad cop of sort mm. of like normalcy. Maybe yeah, that's a really smart way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, that she's like, oh Edward, let me just fix up your. F- no, you're gonna do great, honey. You're gonna do great, honey. Let me just put all this makeup on you. Yeah, the white glove of the iron fist. A white glove of the iron fist. Yeah. I've never heard that before, <laughs> but that's good. Did you say that? <laughs> no. Oh. I think someone described that as, like, um, maybe, like, outpatient psychiatry or CBT or something. Mm. Something that's not, like, necessarily, like, enforced, but it's sort of subtly, like, giving you messages about what's yeah. acceptable and what's not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, and, it, like, in the guise of being supportive and healing and it's still, like, here's... Supportive and healing as long as you change and conform. Yes. <laughs> And I, maybe that's her. I don't know, though. I saw her decision at the end. In the end, she, like, decides, like, maybe it is best for him not to be here, for him to go to his castle. Like, Mm -hmm. I saw that really as a pragmatic decision. Like, I I got the sense that she was not happy with that. And she was, like, very sad that, like, he wasn't going to be able to stay. But she was so scared by all the people after him that she felt like there was no other option. Um... And again, well intentioned. Yeah, well, and I don't, I don't know, like what else she really could have done, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I don't, I, I think that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that, that yeah, there she didn't have a lot of other options, but in places where she does have options, that she always chooses to sort of like have him, have him help cook. Or, have, you know, I don't know, whatever, make shish kebabs or, yeah, or dress him up fancy and 
take him to the bank to get a nice, get a loan for his hair salon or whatever. And maybe that is like a more humanizing perspective um, and horrifying in some ways on parents who want to like fix their autistic kid or whatever Mm. parents who like, or parents who do like prenatal testing for disabilities and things Mm -hmm. um, because the world is so ableist and so cruel to certain types of people. They're like, oh, like... We don't want a kid to, like, have to, like, live with that or make it worse for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think my big rebuttal for that is, like, um, you you know, then why, why have a kid in the first place if the world is that cruel? Or um, you can actively, alternatively, um, you can actively make things less cruel for your kid, like, take some responsibility. And maybe that's what she could have done. Um, yeah. It's like make things less cool for him. But yeah. Um. I don't know. Also, also, I, I just, I had one little note just on her name that just everyone calls her Peg. And I had this weird thought that she's like a square peg in a hole, in a world full of round holes. Hmm. I don't know if that means anything or if I'm just making, if that's just like word association in I, my brain or if that's like intentional. I'm like, maybe. <gasps> I did get the sense that she was a little bit of a misfit, like, at the beginning. Oh, totally. Yeah, when no. she's, like, selling her stuff and everyone's turning her down. Like, I, I didn't get Yeah, nobody sense. in town likes her. Yeah, yeah. They tolerate her. Yeah. So I've, I felt like, I don't know, there was, like, more to it than just I want to, like, adopt this person and, like, normalize them and, like, save them from being autistic like I I got the sense that she like legitimately felt a connection and Mm. felt a friendship there Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah I hadn't hadn't put that together yeah I don't know though maybe I'm just falling for the trap (laughs) (laughs) oh she's trying so nice (laughs) yeah I feel like I've definitely done that before like I've definitely been one of those people who's like oh well like CBT, I mean, at least it's not forced drugging. I mean, such a contrast. Or, like, I've definitely been, like, you know, I I look at some of the, like, horrifying, like, coercive cults that have shaped the psychiatric survivors movement. I'm thinking of reevaluation counseling specifically. Um, And being like, well, like, I I think I even said this about Scientology, too. (laughs) Like, well, you know, it's coercive. It's a cult. But, like, at least it's not, you know, literally locking you up like psychiatry. So maybe I'm doing that. It's not that bad. (laughs) Maybe I'm doing that with Peggy a little bit. I'm like, well, at least she's not running him out of town and trying to kill him, like setting the standards super low. (laughs) (laughs) God. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about also just how amazingly the movie portrayed the experience of having a body that's, like, inherently perceived as predatory. Yeah, Um, that he literally has weapons on his hands. Yeah. Drop your weapons, sir! Yeah, and I know we were going to talk about... That's our big question, too, so that will be next, is why scissors? Why why is this... Like, yeah. But I I personally think this is a big reason to, like, capture Mm -hmm. that, that I think a lot of disabled people, especially, like, psychiatrically or mentally or emotionally disabled people, are, like very much seen as predators and as like dangerous and like like I think there's this like victimhood predator thing where like the rest of the world is seen as like a victim to the dangerous mad person on the loose um 
the autistic mass shooter so scary and like like the world doesn't see like their role in like creating a dangerous world for autistic people and mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. mad people to live in and i i felt like this just did such a good job of capturing that that his, his body is like perceived as dangerous and he's this like predator when like there's a mob out to like kill him um and that's not seen as dangerous and we see that like the guy who does end up killing him like he's abusive pretty much throughout the whole movie but because he's this like straight white like handsome guy he's not all american yeah american football jock his dad is very rich that's alluded to several times like he yeah he is not seen as dangerous at all and edward is yeah the guy that edward ends up killing to be to be Mm -hmm. clear yeah yeah yeah, he's, uh, yeah, and again, like, the, 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 the cops, right, like, I don't, I don't know, like, I just, I, I so focus on that scene mm-hmm. of the, the cops, put your weapons down, sir, put your weapons down, and I just, I don't know, thinking about, what was it, there was, there was one of these, like, police shoots black man mm-hmm. stories maybe a year ago, where it was, like, a... I don't know, a guy got out of a psych ward and was just sitting in the middle of the street playing with his trucks or something? I don't know. You know, something like that. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and his, I don't know, whatever, counselor or therapist or someone someone came after him, but it was reported, like, ah, there's a dangerous man in the middle of the street. Oh, my God. And so the, there's, like, this... I don't know, whatever, we'll say therapist, trying to, like, de-escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. The cops just freak out and start shooting. Mm-hmm. Because there's a man in the middle of the street playing with trucks. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, I, I think and he that... Would, yeah, and he, yeah, just that he wouldn't sit down and he wouldn't, you know, put your hands behind your head and he doesn't do it. They're like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, like, such a thing, too, is, like, yeah, just which bodies are perceived as dangerous and definitely, like black and brown bodies are perceived as very dangerous as inherently predatory um and as a result face police brutality um and i i'm assuming the movie was like a direct reference to that but i'm not really sure i'm not sure if police brutality was talked to about like to the same degree as it is now when, in whatever 1988 yeah. yeah i mean i think it was like i mean it was Wasn't definitely that Rod- when was rodney on. king was that in early 90s? I, I don't think know. so. But I'm sure, I mean, it was definitely yeah. going on. I yes. Just, I assume there was news. I assume, like, I, so I, I think that's probably what it was a reference to, but I'm curious to see if, like, Tim Burton has talked about that in any way or Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the climate was like then or the conversation then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did feel like it just did this amazing job, um, capturing that experience and that, um, again, going back to that line, I think this was like one of my favorite lines of the whole movie is just, you can't touch anything without destroying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I definitely feel that way as like a mad person. Um, like, I feel like I am like very uncomfortable to be around sometimes. I like, um, I have big huge emotions and um it's very difficult to be around um a lot and I definitely feel I feel like a lot of guilt and shame over like am I a predator am I hurting people Mm -hmm. um 
And I felt like, yeah, I just felt like the movie like humanized that and like how like he, he does end up hurting some people. He does end up like, um, like trying, trying to save people or whatever. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah. That he does the thing where he jumps into oncoming traffic to push someone out of the way. Yeah. But then he has scissors for hands. And so in pushing someone out of the way, like slices him up and it's like. Yeah, and then that's perceived as, like, oh, he's so dangerous. And then he tries to, like, um, hold, I guess, Kim's hand at one mm-hmm. point um, and, like, slices it. Um, so, like, yeah, I just, I felt like that resonated with me. That, like, yeah, you do, like, as a mad person, as a disabled person, that, like, that does um, create um, difficulties or, like, obstacles or, like, that can make people uncomfortable because they're not used to it and they've been told that this is wrong and, like... It's just something that, like, has to be... Or it can it can place, like, demands on other people that they kind of get comfortable with certain things they might not be comfortable with. Um, emotions and displays of emotions that we've been... We've all been taught isn't okay. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think this really captures the experience of, like, um, not intending, maybe, or not wanting to harm people, but you do, and that's part of, like, I don't know, something about you or... Um, that's part of like society, I guess, not being built for you and it ends up like harming people and, and then just the way that that's blown out of proportion and construed as like, you're this dangerous predator. Yeah. All this is to answer the question, why scissors? Yes. Why scissors? (laughs) Why can't he just be the weird guy from the mountain that comes into town and has a useful skill and, and then turns out to be too weird for the city and they decide that they don't like weird people and they send him back. Why does he have to be... Scissored. Yeah, did you feel like... Because I know you said at the beginning, before we started recording, you were talking about um, how, like, it's kind of weird that they had to make this guy have scissors yeah. for hands instead of just, like, show the journey yeah, of, like, exactly. a disabled person. <laughs> and I think partly that's just because it's Tim Burton and he, yeah. everything is just stylized and woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, also partly because I don't... I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on how conscious they were about this being a, a narrative of explicitly being of explicit disability and more like, what would that, you know, like I, 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 one thing that I often do is I try to imagine where ideas come from and I try to work backwards, like the thought process mm-hmm. of like, what's the single, what's, what's the, the single germ of a thought that this, that starts all of this. And this, the, I don't know. And I just, all I can imagine is just like, what if you had scissors for hands? <laughs> <laughs> what if there was a guy that had scissors where his hands are supposed to be? And then go like, oh man, that would be really weird. And like, <laughs> I don't think people would like that. And then like growing outward from there, like that's really how I picture this movie happening. How I picture the first draft of the script is like, he has scissors for hands and and then trying to just and then just trying to work your way logically through that and go, hmm, I don't know, people wouldn't like that. I don't know, that could make people really uncomfortable. <laughs> but he's a good guy, but he has scissors. <laughs> it's awkward, right? And, I don't, and so I'm saying, I've, that's how I imagine the process of creating Edward Scissorhands. And nowhere in there is like, I'm gonna tell a story about disability. <laughs> but sort of, you end up there. You end up at this place yeah. of, but I don't know that they set out to land there. And so I think, I don't know, that's my answer to why scissors. Like, 
I don't know. For me, I have to be totally honest. Like, I would never think of this idea myself. But like now that I have it in my mind, like in the and like I've seen this movie in the future. Mm -hmm, If someone mm -hmm, asks mm -hmm. me like, what is the experience of being autistic like? I am like fully prepared to say it is like having scissors for hands (laughs) in this world. You know, like that's not. It doesn't have to be that way. But like being autistic in an ableist world is like having scissors for hands and like. I feel like, um, and you know, and having for scissors for hands wouldn't be an issue if it weren't an ableist world. Um, so like, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, for me, I could totally see this as like how, like as someone who struggles constantly to describe in words, how does it feel to live in the body that I live in? And like, mm-hmm. I, I just wrote this piece trying to describe that and trying to explain like what my experience in my body is like, and just like, I don't, just the piece was about like struggling to like find words to capture it and mm-hmm. like I don't know like if I had just had access to this metaphor like that describes it so much better <laughs> than like any other description I could come up with like than your 4,000 word article yeah. yeah like screw that like just a gif of Edward Scissorhands <laughs> says it, it all is, like <laughs> having scissors for hands and I feel like I don't know part of me Tim Burton's work Right. He is so weird in the best way possible. Like, can you really create that kind of brilliant, genius, incredible work without being mad, without being disabled somehow? Like, and if you are that creative and that genius and that weird, like, you're not going to be treated well your whole life. Like, you're going to go, I imagine he, unless he's like, he's just been rich since like birth, maybe he was, but like, I imagine he went through some periods of being like pretty like treated weirdly. Like he probably was bullied in school or something. I don't know. So like, I really want to believe that like this film was like personal him for him. pouring out his heart of like this is what it feels like you don't understand me <laughs> yeah I don't know like I, he's Tim Burton like he's weird right yeah. like I feel and I was gonna ask this like isn't he a little t- I mean I haven't seen any videos of him or anything but just like I've, judging by his films like okay. I feel like he's got to be autistic or like I don't know like it's just just weird make he's your case mad. make your case I don't make your like, case that he's not just a creative he's not just a person with a different style or a different tone like ooh Tim Burton has a style because it goes so beyond that because especially in this movie because it's not just the art and the way he does animation and it's not just the music it's and it's not just Johnny Depp doing his thing it's like capturing these beautiful universal truths about what it means to be human and what it means to be outsider and to be mm. an outsider to yes. be an outcast and i feel like can you really capture that so beautifully and like so truthfully and so accurately if you haven't had that experience yourself if you don't have that expertise like he clearly has expertise and that has to come from somewhere he, he didn't look up the DSM and say, how can I make an autistic character? Like, or he didn't like look up an article. What is it like to be an outsider in society? Like he like, he clearly like captured it in this very human way. And so I feel like he's gotta be, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's that's... at least like mad. He's at least a little mad. Like he's, he's maybe like depressed. Like also all of his stuff, right? I mean, not this, but like a lot of his stuff is about the underworld and like, afterlife and like corpses like come on like like, that's a little nihilistic that's a little like mad right like depressive yeah i guess morbid morbid is a good word yeah i don't know i i hope (laughs) (laughs) we want to (laughs) believe i hope it wasn't just like 
What, what if a guy had scissors for hands? I mean, maybe it was. I, I'm like, I that's mean, cool too. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> to be clear, to be clear with my description, explanation, whatever, yeah, mm-hmm. is like, yeah, it starts with what if you had scissors for hands, and then. But yeah, all this. I don't think our our theories are mutually exclusive. Is my point? Yeah, that, that's like, fair. Yeah. That like a lot of it is kind of backfilling from that. That like, if you have scissors for hands, man, he'd be such an outcast. And yeah, I get that. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of like, you know, a feedback loop or converging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really after we record this. So like our process, just so. Our audience knows is we watch a movie and then mm-hmm. we like go straight to recording and I like didn't know if we should should have recorded this without like I felt like should we take some time to look at what disability theorists and advocates have said about this before doing it and should we look at whether Tim Burton like identifies in any way as like depressed or just like I don't know like he's just his work yeah. is like mad but so like does he but I mean my personal belief like I don't want to be overly influenced by other people's thoughts I don't want to read a really good article about this movie and go oh yeah I'll just that I'm gonna regurgitate that for an hour yeah same I also think I don't know yeah like this is pretty informal it's a conversation I don't think it needs to be this like cited thing but I also yeah, I, I do feel like, though, it would be different if we were both, like, non-disabled and then we were going to talk about this as a disability film and then, like, I don't know, and pretend that this was all original when, like, disabled activists have, like, been mm-hmm. saying this about it. So, mm. I don't know. Um, but I do, yeah, I do feel like since, I don't know, like, sharing that identity, I guess, makes me feel, like, somewhat better about, like, yeah, like, it's okay if Just- I, like look at this from a disability lens Um, yeah just freewheeling yeah 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 but i really do want to look up (laughs) after we finish we're gonna look up videos or articles and see if you know what disability theorists have said and if tim burton has you know identified in any particular way and we will post that (laughs) yes in the group in the facebook group yeah we have a group yeah you can talk to each other there yeah. Nobody talks to each other. Everybody talks at us, and it's like, discuss amongst yourselves, please. But they only want to address yeah. us, and like, I don't know. Yeah. I so want to, I want discussion. Mm-hmm. I want people bickering with each other and being snarky and irreverent and then I can or, step in and go, yes, of course, I do, I do agree. <laughs> or supporting each other. Supportive is good too. Yeah, like there can be a lot <laughs> of like supportive discussion of like, oh, that's a great point and like, good job and like, thanks for sharing that. Like, it doesn't need to be angry bickering. <laughs> <laughs> we both know that's what it always comes yeah. back to. Yeah. Welcome to Facebook, everything's mm-hmm. an argument. That's true. But yeah, I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to add about, like, why scissors? No, I think that pretty much got it. Okay. Do you want to do a roundup of just miscellaneous bullet points yes. that we've missed? Because I, I, I always have, like, a bunch of little points I never know what to do with, and so I just... Cool. Let's go. Okay. First one is that his eye makeup is constantly, like, is, is always slanted kind of inwards. When you think of... 
I guess when you think of angry eyebrows, right, like the highest point is on the, I don't know, towards the temples, and they kind of slope inwards towards your nose. Mm-hmm. And that's always angry. And Johnny Depp's makeup is always slanted the other direction, where it's, I, I can't tell if it's like a, like, optimistic and like, oh, like mm. hopeful, optimistic, like inquisitive. Hmm. Or if it's like sad puppy dog. Mm. Um, <laughs> both? <laughs> Maybe both. Probably both. <laughs> uh, but... But that's yeah, that 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 seemed interesting to me, and I don't know what to do with that thought. Your turn. Um, let's see. We've we've gone over most of mine. Um, oh, I have just a note about religion mm-hmm. that like one character who like wants him out from the very beginning is is religious and is yeah. just um constantly saying he's a perversion of nature and um. I think at that point I was still trying to figure out, like, what exactly is this an allegory for? So mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was an allegory for queerness. Um, mm. But not Potentially. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in the same way, yeah, just, like, weird person comes in, and if you can just act normal. Yeah. If you can just act like the rest of us, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Is Tim Burton... No, he's not queer. I don't think... I don't... I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know these things. I want to look all this up. Okay, but yeah, but... But yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I think the story fits for, like, a queer narrative as well. Yeah. Um, they, all of the token gestures and the nice things that people try to do for Edward, uh, they're not paying attention to his wants or his needs. Mm-hmm. That, like, the dad gets him a, you know, gets him a glass of whiskey, right? Like, Edward's <laughs> scared about something, and so dad gets him a glass of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't ask if you had alcohol before and doesn't and just sort of pours it and then hands it to him and just sort of looks away <laughs> and Edward like doesn't know what it is and then feels obligated to drink it and then hates it and then blacks out but like but the whole time he's like clawing at it with his scissor hands because he can't lift the glass and it just it made me think about um, sort of the way that we don't we always assume that the other party the other person that we're talking to thinks the same things we do and has the same needs and mm-hmm. wants as we do and just is acting on them differently. And it's, like, inconceivable to us that someone could want something different or, like, have a different opinion about something. Mm-hmm. Um, classic example is that you, Emily, <laughs> despise tomatoes. Um, and, yeah, and, and and told me, like, I don't think anyone actually likes tomatoes. They just eat them because they feel guilty and feel like they should be eating healthy things. And, and like, I was, like, mildly offended because I really like tomatoes. <laughs> but it's, like, inconceivable. <laughs> or, that like, like, our instinct is always is to jump to, like, like, this person thinks the same things I do. Their brain works in these same familiar ways. It's, mm. it's likeness stigma. Yeah, and I know for me, the reason that came up this week is um, I, I'm, like, very, like, hypersensitive to pain. I, like, I physically, not psychologically, I physically feel pain more strongly than other people, um, I think. I mean, I don't know anyone else's, like, internal experience, but, like, I I describe certain things as excruciating that other people describe as, like, very mild. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, so I, um, yeah, I I think there's a lot of times this assumption for me of like, oh, you just, you just need to like do some breathing exercises to like sit through this pain or you just need to like, 
I don't know, like get over your anxiety about it. It's the anxiety that's causing higher pain. And I'm like, no, like, like I'm physically more sensitive. I like, you wouldn't tell someone to just like, you know, do some breathing exercises to get over their like dislike of tomatoes. If they don't like tomatoes, <laughs> like you would just be like, find a different food. Yeah. So, scrape the tomatoes off. So yeah, we, or, or if like someone has to eat tomatoes, you know, dilute it with sugar or whatever. I don't know. The point is though. Yeah. I, I felt like that was such a good yeah. <laughs> example of, yeah. Of the assumptions we make about other people. Yeah. Of course he wants a glass of whiskey. Look at you. I mean, look at you. <laughs> I'm like, no, he does not. Um, do you have anything? Um, I have down here, I think the moment that I got tipped off that like, oh, he's totally autistic is when um, someone tells him, don't take things so literally. Ooh. And I forget when that happens or what the context was. I don't remember either, yeah. Yeah, but they, they say that. And I felt like it was like in that moment, it was like very logical for him to take it whatever the person was saying, like, literally, and they're yeah. just like, oh, don't do that, and, like, not willing to explore, like, what they might have what? said. Yeah, well, I think it was at the barbecue, right, the barbecue party where the whole town is meeting him, and they keep making, like, scissor puns, and, like, keep making, like, bad jokes at him, like, hey, we want to invite you over to play cards, long as you promise not to cut the deck, hey, buddy, hey! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and things like that, like, they're all making that kind of joke at him. Mm-hmm. And then he takes one of them seriously, and it's like, oh, you can't take any, you can't, don't take things so literally. It's like, he doesn't know what cards are, he doesn't know how to play poker, and someone <laughs> says, don't cut the deck, and he's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> because he has been around people who play cards, so it right. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Joyce, the lonely housewife. Oh, yeah. The, I think that's basically the, like, the, the, the equivalent of, like, yellow fever. Hmm. That like yeah yeah the people Fresh like region. yeah 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 just yellow feverized people like like being like abnormally con- like I don't I almost use the word dangerously I don't think dangerously but like very attracted to Asian women only I don't know if it's like even like very attract like it's like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, a fetish. It's yeah. like an object thing. Like, yeah, 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 yes. Um, yeah, just, I think, just because it's a different, just difference. Like, ooh, look at this. And stereotypes of, like, again, like, mm-hmm. because they'll be useful to me. They'll be submissive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the stereotype around Asian women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, so Joyce totally has, I don't know, scissor fever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she, like, definitely, like, doesn't take into account his wants and needs, and it's just, like, of course he's gonna go after me. Yeah. He's a poor, disabled person. Yeah. And then as soon as he rejects her, then it's rape. Yeah. And then it's, oh, he forced himself on me. Yeah, which, like, I don't know how I feel about that portrayal of, like, women and that, like lonely housewife type thing of like I don't know I feel like there's a lot of portrayals of like women you know and you can read that as like a mad portrayal too like borderline type thing of women who like are like making advances and then they get rejected and suddenly it becomes rape and it becomes a false rape allegation and um I feel like yeah I I think that that that's like the stereotype of women but then yeah, there's also this stereotype of, like, disabled people as rapists. Um, 
and especially like yeah. autistic people as like stalkers or rapists. So. I thought that was more what they were leaning into. And I think they were, yeah. Um, but I think they also leaned a little bit into this like borderline crazy woman thing. Mm-hmm. 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 I guess the dichotomy and the confinement of being confined to either people being in awe of you or people mm. like yes, hating yes. and vilifying you. So like I've I've heard this from a lot of disabled people and I relate to it. That there are kind of two like options for you that are both pretty objectifying. One is awe and people think you're special and you have special abilities and you're they're not disabilities they're superpowers someone says you're not disabled you're exceptional um and then the other is like hate and vilification and or like pity maybe um but you can't ever just be human um and i i think the movie that does the best job of showing this that i've seen is elephant man Mm -hmm. um, which we should also do but um that's where like yeah there it, it just shows these like both sides where like he can either be like held up in awe and this incredible person who like just by living in his daily life is inspirational and brave um or just like <laughs> yeah it's totally like vilified and like sold in a freak show um and then at the end of the movie he just wants to be normal um when, or wants to be like yeah just human um and so, yeah, I, th- I think you really see that play out here, too. Um, yeah, yeah, He, like, yeah. goes on TV and is, like, odd and admired. And, and then he's, like, chased after and murdered, attempted murder. And, uh, yeah, there's there's not any room in between. Yeah. Or I don't yeah. even want to say in between. I just want to say, like, outside of that. I, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm, um, I, I've, I've checked all my boxes. And- yeah. Me too. Okay. Okay. Well, um, like, subscribe, rate, mm-hmm. iTunes, Facebook, uh, Google Play, Google Play, Google Podcasts, um, lots of words. What else? Stitcher? No, we're not on Stitcher. Um, and then Facebook, um, come... Facebook, yes. Come discuss. Come talk about... Does, does your body... Do you feel like you have scissors for hands? Because I do. <laughs> so I really want to know if that's... Maybe that's just an accurate metaphor for me and Tim Burton, and that's it. But if it's an accurate metaphor, or maybe not even Tim Burton, maybe he was just like, I don't know, I just thought it would be cool to have a character with scissors for hands. But if this is an accurate metaphor for you, too then please comment and please share that and tell us about that because I want to know if it's just me or if I'm crazy. There's nothing more, like, (laughs) life-affirming to a podcaster than having someone interact with your content and, like, (laughs) knowing that people listen and care. (coughs) And, like, obviously we can see the download numbers. We know that people listen. It's the second part. Yeah. But also, like... Yeah, it's just interesting and just, um, 
a window in to like talk about these things I feel like I think I, I've said this on other podcasts that yeah. I just feel like there's just not a lot of permission in everyday life to talk about these things this is like weird and abnormal and most people don't talk about this which is so completely crazy to me because like come on like I don't know like this is life this is everyday life yeah. this is uh, yeah um this is what makes us human so so all you normies out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't believe in normies, but <laughs> all you people who... Who consider yourselves normies. Yes, who are pretending to be normies, or who feel like you have to pretend to be normies in everyday life, like, come hang out with us in our little Facebook group and just, you know, talk about how it feels like you have scissors for hands sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll catch you next week, guys. <laughs> Mad love. Bye.